You're listening to the Screen Tearing Podcast with Vector the Nomad and Dual Revolvers. In this episode, the crew talks about the endangered art of full motion video games and interactive movies. Now loading episode 9, Full Motion Alchemist. Initializing. It took me a while to realize, but I realized why I will never install a mod for a game. And it's it boils down to, to just pure laziness and and it's Fair like I, but it's more it's more there's more to it than that like just finding the energy to sit down and play a game and having to deal with like the title screen and the, all the opening logos and all that shit and you know like you go on Netflix and yeah. you click on just click on something on on the homepage of Netflix it starts right up you know some loading depending on your internet connection but that's it when it comes to a game to sit down and play a game you first you have to deal through deal with all the the logos uh, on startup Mm -hmm. like all the companies and the middleware that they use to make the game because it's required to be there in the licensing agreements and all that so you got to sit through all that not a huge deal fine I'll, i'll sit there and wait but then Especially on PC, you got to go into the options menu and check your graphic settings to make sure your yeah. your CPU doesn't catch fire as you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. So that's that's more time that you're 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 not really doing anything meaningful. You're just messing around in menus, and then you know you got to press new game, and then you got to uh, you know select your difficulty and and whatever other options, and then you got to sit through uh, a. The, you know the opening cutscene. If you choose to do that, go through a, a shitty tutorial, possibly. So there's just like there's just a lot of steps you have to go through before you're actually enjoying the game. A lot of games these days, because of how complicated they are, you don't even really start playing them until after you finish them the first time. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's part of the reason why I like mods because there's there are mods out there that let you skip most of that bullshit. Yeah, that's true, but still, I you know just the. Just the the process of searching for for the mod that's gonna enhance the game. Yeah. I just I I don't want to sp- spend time out of my life doing that. Even though I'm sure it would make the game great, but it's like I've told we've talked about this before. Why should I waste my time finding a mod to fix a broken game when I have literally thousands, literally thousands of of broken of non broken games that are good to go right out of the box? Are they? Are they all non-broken? Well, maybe not thousands. <laughs> but I definitely have hundreds. I got hundreds of games that, that I'm good to go to play. Right, I'm actually, uh, I just downloaded Max Payne 3. I don't need any mods to enjoy that game. But there probably are some good ones. I bet there are. I'm sure there are. But I, I enjoy the game as it is. The Witcher 2, I tricked myself into liking, liking that game. That's the video game equivalent of 300 because later on, I really liked I really liked three hundred, but I you know it was marketed poorly. Yeah. So I I thought the game was going to be that's something we should talk about. Let's put that on the list. What? Um. Poor poor marketing campaigns and how like a bad advertising campaign will will influence what people think the thing is going to be like, and then the final product winds up being completely different. Case in point, Brutal Legend. EA published that game and in all the commercials they're like yeah Jack Black's in this game and it's going to be it's going to be remember God of War it's going to be exactly like God of War with Jack Black and and Heavy Metal. And so people are like hell yeah, Heavy Metal uh God of War like a hack and slash a beat em up style uh, character action game starring Jack Black this sounds fantastic. And then you get to the first RTS mission or whatever. All the battles and every- are like that, yeah. Yeah, and then everyone was like, what the fuck is this? Wh- like, because um, cause EA put out a demo, and there's none of that in the demo. None of the, the, the band, the Battle of the Bands. What do they call them? I forget. Oh, I don't know. But it's a, it's a really cool and unique game, but, but EA, they marketed it like it was, marketed it like it was uh like a a normal hack and slash game and they didn't really they they literally chose to leave out how the the unique parts of the game and that's why it set people's expectations and when when the game finally came out it was like well this isn't what i expected they broke the they broke the uh consumer contract 
I always talk about the consumer contract. When you when you pull the rug out from people and and you don't give them what they thought they were buying, and Metal Gear does this all the time. Or yeah. it did. And that's why that's why Kojima got fired and Konami's not trying to make any of those games anymore because you know, that dude just tricked people too many times with Raiden and and Big Boss and and you know, even though people people like playing as Naked Snake in three, it's it's still just like for three years before that game well, it was like two years when that game was announced and then when it finally came out, it's like, see this right here, it's Solid Snake. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna play as the same character that you played as in MGS one and then two for a little bit before we we did the bait and switch on you there. It's Solid Snake, and so three comes out and it's 1964. So there's time travel now? Oh no, it's his father. Anyway. <laughs> MGS4, you're gonna play a solid snake. We promise, guys. It's the snake you remember. I promise you, it's solid snake. It's the same guy. It's a continuation of his story. You're finally gonna gonna see how his story closes out. Oh, he's a fucking octogenarian. Fuck. He's got osteoporosis and a bad hip. Yep. Don't you want to play as this character? Of course not. Complete side note. There is a hobo survival role-playing game. What? On Steam. I don't I don't understand. On Steam? On Steam. Where you play as a hobo? Yes. But it's an urban survival RPG is what they're calling it. They stole our idea. They stole the what is that can idea. What's it called? Just Hobo Tough Life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, here it is. Let me take a look. (laughs) Where you play as a homeless person. Oh my god. We talked about that, though, like why we shouldn't make that game. Yeah. Because it would be disrespectful to all the people that are down on their luck. And now someone has has turned that into a game. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the first game where you play as a, a homeless person. That's true. They, co- they just called it Hobo. Tough life. Can you collect cans <laughs> and sell them to recycling centers? Yeah, I don't like this. Because I don't know how things are where, where you're at, but but where I am, there are shanty towns set up everywhere. Yeah, there's shanty towns. Here you guys there. got shanty towns? Yeah. We got friggin' villages of, like, tents and, and you know, makeshift dwellings made out of tarp and, and sticks, just like in this screenshot. That dude has an air conditioning unit. It looks like, oh, no, that's a, that's a tire. Never mind. Still. Claim the throne. What? For over a decade, no one has been able to bring the many factions of the homeless together. The throne of the homeless king has been sitting empty for too long. Who will earn enough respect and prove themselves worthy of uniting the homeless? Will you rise to the occasion? So unless the the lead developer of this game spent a significant chunk of his life as a homeless person... <laughs> I don't think this is a good idea. No. So I had this crazy idea, and I was watching. I forget. I was watching some video on YouTube. I forget what it was, but it was a, a ton of great information. I got it. I I should. I need to dig it back up. Um, because it was some some YouTuber that was talking about FMV games back in the '90s. Oh, actually, I think it was um the Angry Video Game Nerd, possibly. And then this was like in the mid '90s. So this was. A $700 console, 700 bucks in the 90s. God damn. Yeah. And which would be the equivalent of $1,200 today if you if adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Uh, and um, there weren't any games on it, but it was marketed as this multimedia machine. And so there was, there was a ton of interactive movie style games with live action cutscenes, mm-hmm. and you know like they hired real actors and they they digitally scanned the the frames of the of the, the film and then added some some basic interactivity and you know they they sold these on uh on discs on the um i think i'm pretty sure it was a 3do yeah and uh and you know 
it was like, technically the graphics were better than anything else on the market because it was like, it's live action. It's, it's real life. Even though the resolution might be low, it's still like the graphics look just like real life or it looks like a, like a Hollywood film. You know, there was some, some high, uh, high quality production value put into, uh, into, uh, these, um, these FMV games. And there's one out there that actually, one of the characters is played by Christopher Walken mm-hmm. and, and he like, he's like a detective. He's not the main character, but he's like, just like, Hey, Christopher Walken, will you do this video game for us? And he's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and there's like a, a bunch of games like that where they hired some actor. People used to do that a lot. Oh, uh, the, the probably the best example of FMV cutscenes out there would be, uh, Mark Hamill in wing commander three wing commander three's cutscenes. They were all live action. And, and that was actually, that game was done by Chris Roberts, the guy who's, who's, uh, says he's working on star citizen. So. So that's that was Chris Roberts' claim to fame. That's what got him all that all that crowdfunding money was that you know this one of the games that he worked on was Wing Commander Three. So thanks to Wing Commander, we have we have Star Citizen. But back in that game was like '94, I think, and the cutscenes were they were like Hollywood level, and they actually made a Wing Commander movie. Stop yeah. me at any point, and I know I'm just I'm just going on and on. So now I'm looking up Wing Commander. It's crazy. <laughs> So, man, I'm just I'm just giving you history lessons. And anybody listening at home, I'm not looking any of this up. So if I if I mess up any facts, I, this is all stuff I memorized. So you can fact check me if you want. It's an era of Mark Hamill. People rarely get to see. They right, usually see yeah. they usually see the old Mark Hamill, which like the like what he looks like now, or the young Mark Hamill is what he looked like in Star Wars, <laughs> the first three episodes. Yeah, people. When he was when he was doing the Joker in in the animated series, mm-hmm. people you know they didn't really see him. I didn't know that was Mark Hamill until way later. Yeah, uh, when I you know when I'm a kid, you know it's just like the Joker, and you don't really see who's behind the voices. But Joker era Mark Hamill is um, he's something else. And then when he played um, he played that one character who was essentially just the Joker. In the Flash, I forget oh, who yeah. it was. Crazy kid, what's his name? Uh, the not Toy Man, the, something like the that. Trickster or something. Yeah, something. I like think that. it was the Trickster. And he, essentially, he was just doing the Joker. They're like, "Hey, Mark Hamill, will you, will you be a, a knockoff budget Joker in in our Flash show? Will you fly up to Canada and and play the Joker?" I'm sure Kevin Smith was super excited about that. Um, but anyway. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. FMV cutscenes. Yes. So, you know, back in the 90s, they were so bad because they're like a lot of the acting was just terrible. And there are some infamous ones out there um, like um, there's um, what's a, the the most famous one is probably Night Trap. Night Trap is a that's a, a, a really big deal. In terms of FMV FMV games, because that was actually one of the games that Congress or whoever it was used as evidence for for why we need a rating system. So if you ever wonder, like why why do we have an ESRB? Well, e- well, Night Trap was one of the games that that the government looked at along with uh, with Mortal Kombat, and uh, and then they were like, look video game industry you have to create an organization to to give parents the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about game purchases for their kids or if you don't then then the government's going to step in and and start regulating and so people are like oh we can't have that so they form the esrb what's the issue they're all wearing shirts <laughs> there were, i don't yeah no there was there was some some weird stuff about it. Apparently there are some games that where they weren't though. There's this one game called the, uh, it's called plumbers don't wear ties. And, and apparently I haven't played it. I haven't seen a full playthrough, but apparently it's like a full on porno. Uh, I'm not sure. It could be softcore. I don't know, but it's another infamous FMV game. And then there's some ones <laughs> technically, 
uh, these games were the most violent games of all time when they were released. There's one called Harvester, which is just like if you die, you know the you, you, your your character would get like sawed in half, but it was like real blood effects. So it wasn't animated uh. blood. It was like, I mean, it was still Hollywood blood. It wasn't real, right? But it looked more realistic than than anything in Mortal Kombat. Because these these weren't sprites. This was like they would take a they would do practical effects like a like have you seen the the thing, the remake of the thing, John Carpenter's movie? I uh, yeah, but not in a million years. But you have seen it, and you know that the effects are all practical, and and like you know they they made mm-hmm. like puppets, and you know made made that movie just look as as just grotesque as as you could get. No CG in that movie, so the, yeah, they they would do that in game. So Harvester, and there's um there's one uh, I don't know, I, I'm not here to talk about the history of FMV games, but I was watching this video and I was intrigued by that idea of an interactive movie because, you know, normally I hate, you know, oh, like the, the abundance of cutscenes in games, but I, I actually really liked until dawn on PS4. Yeah. Have you played that? Yeah. I, I liked that game a lot. It was, it was a lot of fun. I liked the fact that it was just an interactive movie and like, you know, there was there was some interactivity at some points, but for the most part, you're just making you're making decisions. It's a choose your own adventure style game where you're just you're making decisions and then you watch how the scene plays out. Um, it's a, it's a, it's about choices, and then sometimes you you would have like a walking section, but it wasn't like you know wasn't for very long. You're maybe looking for a, a hidden object or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, hidden object game. So that's that would be where the, the interactivity could come into play. So I just got the idea, like, you know, how come people don't make FMV games anymore? Or maybe they do, but they're just buried. And I think the reason why is because maybe the stories aren't that good or intriguing. So I was thinking, like, man, I want to make an FMV game because I think it I think it would be easy. Because live action is much easier to do than than animation. You know, you do some color correction or whatever, but you know, you, you point and shoot, and then and then the, your only barrier to the quality is like your actors, I guess. How would you start? Like with a script? Yeah, yeah. You'd need a you'd need a good. Well, no. Okay, so that's that's a that's a good question. So. Well, I'm sitting there like, okay, what are the, the logistics of making an FMV game? It's essentially just like you're shooting a live action movie, but there are branching paths and multiple endings. So you kind of have to do certain scenes, multiple shots. So, you know, I, I was thinking of it like, well, I bet I could do it as a, um, like a Snyder cut length movie. I'd say four and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, made but for you- super cheap. You want it actual, actual interactivity, so people have, um, so the people watching or playing, quote unquote, have choices, or do you just yeah. want it to play like an actual movie, like, not just choices, but you know, like some sort of, like it's still kept to a minimum, but some sort of of audience engagement, and and there's like there's benefits there. Actually, okay, I. I take back what I said. There are actually a ton of FMV games that are still being made. I completely forgot. And so that's why this is great is because there is an entire, there's been a resurgence of FMV games. Uh, So there's, there's one that's really bad. I'll give the bad news first. There's one called um, super seducer. (laughs) That sounds bad. Super seducer. It's a game where you play some, some dude, I don't know. But essentially, oh yeah, yeah. Essentially, you're you're having conversations with women, and then you have to make it's a multiple choice quiz at the end of of certain sections of the of the conversation, and then you have to make the right choice that's gonna result in the lady sleeping with you. Yeah, um, and I think it was recently taken off Steam. I'm not sure. There is are it three of them? Oh my god. Yeah. Oh wait, no, nope. Super Seducer is still. Uh, 
It's still on Steam. So that's all a bad example. All three of them, though? I don't think all three of them are. I think three is not available. But uh, notice I'm looking at the, the recent reviews of this game, mostly positive. And the reason why, the, the, the appeal of this game is that streamers and YouTubers will play it and talk about how ridiculous it was specifically made for people to stream it and then to ask the audience like, okay, guys, A, B, or C, what, what do you think? What should I say? And, you know, so there's like a party element to it, right? Yeah. And, and it's cool. So like, you know, you can, essentially you can watch a movie on stream and just interact with it, with your audience. And then, you know, at certain points, you and your audience can can be like, okay, well, what do you what do you guys think I should do? And then and then people vote in the chat, which I think is great. So there's this other game, actually, no. Before I get to the 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 one that that I'm really excited about, there was another game made by this one dude. I'll talk about the history later. Um, it's called Her Story. Her Story, I think it's called Her Story. Is it on Steam anymore? Was it on? Was it ever on Steam? Is it even called Her Story? I forget. Yeah, there it is, Her Story. So this is a, this is a game, Sam Barlow, that's the guy. Sam Barlow, <laughs> Sam Barlow was the director of, or maybe not the director, but he was he was on the, the team that was making that Legacy of Kane reboot. Remember that, the one that got canceled? Yeah. So that dude, after his studio kept getting dicked around, it happened like their studio went through so many canceled games. Publishers, you know, they, they would pitch a game to a publisher. They'd make a, a a a vertical slice, a big chunk of it, or you know, enough to show like, hey, here's what we can do. And then the studio, the publisher involved, would be like, hey, this is really cool. We don't want it. And this happened over and over. And so <laughs> this happened like four times. They had four games. They they were they worked on like three, two or three Silent Hill games. That Konami paid them to do, but then they decided that they wouldn't, they weren't going to move forward with it. So eventually Sam Barlow got fed up and he's like, screw this, I'm going to go make my own game. So he made her story and there's actually a sequel too. And all you, it's a detective game where you, you watch clips of this interrogation of this woman and then, and you have to like find clues about, about something. I'm not, I'm not sure, but it, it says here it's an interactive film video game. So that's how they, they market it. The other game, the one that that has me really excited for a project like the like this is this game. It's called Four Two Eight Shibuya Scramble. If, I think on Steam, if you just search for Four Twenty Eight. Um, but you know, this is a. They market it as a visual novel, but it has. You know, it's got branching paths and multiple endings and. And, and these are live action actors. Uh, and I think it's also a, uh, a detective story, but, um, but you know, this, this game has like, it's got huge critical acclaim. So yeah, I, I was completely wrong. There were, there are tons of FMV games that are still being made. And if done properly, and you know, with a with a compelling enough story and a and a good enough idea, um, you know, you can. The I think it it's a I think the main appeal for me is is just the uh, I think as streaming becomes more and more prevalent in in the gaming industry, mm-hmm. I think I think there's a there's potential for something like this to be to be really cool. Um, also, you but, can use it if you would like to further the vector cannon. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the vector. You can vector make it <laughs> the vector. What you know? You can make no, the vector cannon is a is a weapon in Zone of the Enders two, which is oh which yeah, is, is really funny. Whenever when I was playing Zone of the Enders two, I got the vector cannon. I'm like, yeah, the me cannon. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like you can use this as a as a way to. Um, Tell the story right. between Vector and those two dudes that just reviewed Village. Phobos and Deimos. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, but um, it, it's definitely something I'm thinking about, but I think I, I would go in a different direction. Uh. 
Um, you know. Anyway. Anyway. So, um, so I wanted the, to. The question say, you asked was, uh, was, was where would you start? And I didn't answer that. Yes. But, um, um okay, go ahead and finish what you're going to say. And then I have a, something to add, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, I think for a project like this, I would start with a, with the concept, not the script at first, but just, just like, just like the concept is, is really, it really would have to be something really strong. Well, yeah, of course. And, but the problem is, the problem is this is something that would have to be made for dirt cheap, less than dirt. Easy. Can be done easy. I'm telling you, shit can be done ter- dirt cheap, especially nowadays. Like, I've been watching this YouTuber called uh, Joel Haver. He's... I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a, he's a comedy youtuber but he makes and he makes skits and stuff but they're so like you you can get pretty involved with the story that he's telling in a video with like such minimal effort because he he they're made with such minimal effort but that how do you know does he do like behind the scenes videos no you can just tell by looking at him the the videos oh, like see, well, that's the thing. it's just like him wearing different wigs and different clothes <laughs> that's it oh that dude <laughs> yeah okay hold on let me let me make sure i'm thinking of the same and same he's guy, made Joel. he's released a couple of feature-length films on youtube right one of them i skimmed through um and it was i just skimming through it made it was like oh, super this guy super, super uh, like super i never knew like, his name touching joel haver i never yeah. knew his name but but yeah he's the dude who does those um like the the, the shitty the, animation yes videos he did the, the he did this one like the uh, the bachelor but it's with monkeys that i thought was oh yes brilliant that, yeah that was fantastic and then the, the stuff that he does about like like rpg logic <laughs> really good stuff but right I, I forgot i was thinking of, i was thinking of somebody else but this guy mm-hmm. okay okay what were you gonna say um, I was going to say, once you have the concept and we have a somewhat of a script, we can use Twine to test it out, right? Twine? Is that what Haver uses? No, no. Twine is a website that lets you create a oh, choose right. your adventure Oh, games. that. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I remember that. That's actually where this whole thing started, actually, years and years ago. So, well, we're, yeah, we're going all the way back to like... 2016, so yeah. that's, that's five years ago. But it's a good way to test out the stri- the script, right? Is to put it in twine and then kind of no, 100, percent yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, and and so that you would start with a concept first, and then you would need a and and by concept I mean like okay, you need a genre, and you know any singular genre won't work. So what I what I think for this, you know, in order to make it worthwhile you would need a you'd have to blend genres you know how like terminator 2 or no the the original terminator is like it's a horror movie it's a slasher flick but it's like also a sci-fi film uh and then the same thing with with aliens it like they it, they broke new ground in that it, it's a horror flick but it's also heavily it's heavy sci-fi mhm I feel like we would need to do something like that and, you know, to, to, to blend two, two genres that have never been mashed together before to really create this new perspective. What two and genres have never been matched before? Well, I don't know, but that's, that's part of it. That's step one is like, okay, what's, farm what's going to make this? Farm simulator horror. Farm simulator yeah, farming. No, I mean two movie genres. <laughs> farming simulator horror. <laughs> For, farming simulator isn't a movie genre. <laughs> All right. Angelina Jolie in the latest <laughs> farming simulator coming this summer. <laughs> I'm really excited for that new Angelina Jolie movie, though. Looks looks pretty great. Yeah, actually doesn't look too bad. Um well, she's always all them all her movies are great. Have you seen Salt? It's a good one. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. What's the one with her and, and Johnny Depp? Uh, the Tourist, I think. 
Oh, eh. yeah. What's it? Angelina Jolie. I don't know if I've seen that one. Johnny Depp movie. It's called uh, The Tourist. Yep, it was The Tourist. I like that movie a lot. Really good. Great twist at the end. I recommend it. But um, anyway, point is, yeah, it would have to start with with a good a good concept and like a and you know something like okay, what about um horror movies can be done for cheap, right? So it's got to be a horror movie. I I feel. Yeah. People like horror movies and, you know, horror, horror games. And I'm just thinking about it in terms of marketability, right? Uh, horror, horror games are good. Horror games. <laughs> they're um, not horror games, but horror games are horror. They're yeah. Horror. They're good for, for streamers because, you know, people, they tune into the streamer to see their, their scary reaction, you know? And there's there's millions of videos on YouTube of people reacting to, you know, scary games and stuff like that. So I think a a, a scary interactive movie like Until Dawn would be the way to go. And then and then blending that with something else, like I don't know, a superhero movie, or or um, okay, let me superhero think. horror. Right, super horror, super horror, a super horror movie. Honestly, I think that that might honestly be the way to go. A super horror movie. <laughs> super um, horror. <laughs> okay, I just like the way that so, sounds. With superhero, like superhero movies, involves a lot of extra special effects potentially, unless you do, right. unless you do subtle stuff you know what i mean unless you do it subtly like right mm-hmm. like it's like well, v- like superpowers aren't rampant and they're and they're not like overt and right yeah, out there right you can do you can do subtle superpowers you know mm-hmm. like reading reading people's minds it's technically a superpower exactly you, you don't need any effects for that um mm-hmm. we just choose, even tele- you telekinesis just you can the, do for cheap exactly yeah you just choose the superpowers that don't need any special effects <laughs> but i mean what's the fun if you know if there's not because you can you can make because that's the thing like joel haver i i love his videos i think he's great but and i'm sure he spends a ton of effort making those videos i, I know oh, yeah. he does but and you know like part of the aesthetic is that it looks easy and it, it looks like it um you know it's it's got really low production value and i think for me you know to do a project like this it would need to be made for for dirt cheap but it would have to look like it was it actually took a, a, like a, a a giant budget mm-hmm. and that's something that that i've you know been getting better at like uh you know i um i made a did you see the 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 briefing video I did for the, for Retromania or reanimator. Yeah. Yeah. So like that doesn't look like it, it was made cheap and, and anybody who, who looks at it, they're like, wow, there's, you know, there's a ton of pro- high, there's high quality production value in this, but no, you know, I, I scrapped that together in my free time, uh, you know, shot on, uh, on a phone. I shot that on a, on a, on my shitty Metro PCS phone. Uh, you know, and and then I use some some graphics from from this website, but it's about it's about making it look like you know, like it, it costs more money to make than it actually did. So, which I think can be done easily. So I wouldn't want to do something like like a Joel Haver type thing unless I, I was know. doing like a a straight up unless it was it was like a a straight up comedy, which I'm just not good at. Comedy yeah. writers. Comedy writers, it turns out. Well, there's one Hollywood writer that that I read about. He's like, comedy writers are the most depressed people in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I, I I enjoy being alive too much. I yeah. think. No, I know. It's, I'm not saying that we we should go that route. I'm just saying that it can that you know minimal effort can be, or at least visual yes. visually visual minimal effort can be done well. Um, as like Assuming a, you you like his his stuff, which mm-hmm. I do, but I'm I wouldn't want something that I make to look like that. 
or not for this particular project. Yes, of course. If I was doing a video a week, then then yeah, of course I would I would you know put out some stuff like that you know because that's part of the 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 experience. But but for this, you know, I'm, I'm like you know, can is it possible? And so that's why I came to you with with this crazy idea I had last night. I'm like, okay, is it possible? My question is, is it possible to make like a Hollywood level movie? On a dirt cheap budget, what resources would we need to make it happen? I think it is. I think it is too, and so that's why you know I was asking you. But um, let me see. We've been recording for forty eight minutes now. Um, I think next time we record, you know, I, I have a ton of questions about um, the the ins and outs, the actual the the nitty gritty details of film production and things that would need to be worked out for a project like this. But, but at this point we're just brainstorming, you know, this isn't like a sure thing or something that we're going to do. I'm just, I'm just out of curiosity, you know, I'm putting together the, the details in my head for what we would need. Cause you know, like in, when I say dirt cheap, I mean, we could, we could potentially, put something like this on on kickstarter and and i'm not i'm not confident that it would fail which is a good thing i think there's a there's a possibility that we could have somewhat of a budget if we went to kickstarter but um Uh uh-huh you know but still like you know like the actors involved, you know, what, what kind of resources do we have are are available to us in terms of actors because we would need people that that are available and people rarely are people you know they're working so you know are there starving actors out there who who would work for a sandwich can we hire a hobo that's a terrible idea (laughs) (laughs) um i mean yeah there's find people with the will work for food signs and be like will you act (laughs) no but you know costumes and uh you know, equipment's a, a big thing. The the logistics of all that, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we just gotta. Obviously, we can't make it. Uh, we have to make it modern. That gets rid of the costume problem. Then we could just okay. use normal clothes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Current day. You know, yeah. Current day. Or at least no somewhat close, pieces. somewhat close to current day. No time travel either. Yeah, no, no time travel. Can't do that. Um, oh, well, here's an idea. Okay, I think I, I personally think a, a superhero horror movie, a super horror movie, mm-hmm. is the way to go. Or like, I like it. Horror, horror like with, it. yeah, a a, a a a scary movie with superhero or superpowers, superpower elements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so whether that means like the villain, the monster in the movie is, has superpowers or, you know, like, um, okay. like Siler and heroes, he was, he was definitely, uh, a horror villain. Yeah. He was kind of like a, like a slasher. Yeah. We can definitely do something like that. Like we can, or if you, I don't know if you want to give, uh, I guess we're just spitballing here. Yeah. Just, just so, brainstorming. Um, so what if we do something like the fact that the main character is getting powers is like terrifying somehow. Like maybe it's mm. the powers they have Ooh. are terrifying to them. The powers oh, they're getting man. are terrifying, you know? Cause actually one of my favorite score, scory, scary, gory. Is that a thing? Scary, gory. Uh, <laughs> scory. That's, I don't think that's the right term for that. But anyway, one of, one of my favorite scary movies of all time was actually black Swan. And mm-hmm. the the scares that take place in that movie are entirely in the protagonist's head, and so especially like if you if you think about like you know, reading minds, and maybe maybe this this person they think they're possessed by evil spirits, but they're actually like hearing other people's thoughts, uh, and so and but the things that they're they're hearing, ooh, spooky. Yeah, you know, That's, just shit like that. That is like they're getting maybe they're getting powers from something or that's a really good idea yeah and something something that i'm learning is that like even if you if you give i mean because like coming up with a concept you know that's that's you can give that away 
you can you can give away you can essentially give away the ending to people, but mm-hmm. it's it's you know like yeah, it's a spoilers. So at one at the at the bottom rung of 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 appreciating movies and TV, you know, like of course you don't want the ending to be spoiled, but if your story is good enough, I've found you can tell people how a story ends and people will still tune in to be like, well, how the fuck does that happen? Yeah. And, and they'll watch to, you know, about they'll watch to get into the journey of how you, how you arrive, even the, even if they know what's going to happen at the end. And that's why you have so many movies like, um, that, that actually start with the ending. Yeah. They'll start with like, Oh, this person died. And you know this person died, and then they'll go back in time. The, the whole movie is a flashback to find out why they died. So it's 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 not just a matter of when or or how, but it's what well, the reason why people will tune in to to your movie or whatever you have for you know if you have a mystery, it's the why that you have to really sell people on. So so yeah, brainstorming concepts. I'll give you the concept, take it, but the way that that I'm gonna get to to that ending, that is where that's proprietary. <laughs> that's proprietary. Th- that's a great term. Yeah, that that's where that's where I have uh, what's what's another good term? Job security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so um, we yeah we can definitely I like that idea where like they're their own villain or something like that. You know what I mean? That's interesting. That's really interesting. They're, they're getting and it's powers, cheap. and they're and they're scared of them. Like way cheap, yeah. right? We can we can think of number a number of superpowers that someone might be scared of of doing. Maybe this person is a wholeheartedly good person, and they're getting a power that is just destructive or something, or wow. makes them feel right evil or like, something like bloodbending. Yeah, like bloodbending. You know, some shit like that. <laughs> or maybe they get That's possessed cool. by a demon. And they can't control it. <laughs> yeah. They can't control the blood bending. <laughs> They're just like, like, hey, so they wave their hand. Hey, Steve. And he's like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> All his bones break. Oh, no. Steve. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you could also make that really funny quick. And we you. can also we can also make it PG-13. That way we don't no, have to. Hard R. If we're doing hard art, we're going to need blood and gore effects, man. Easy. You get a little bit of peanut butter, a little bit of corn syrup. Peanut uh, butter and corn syrup? That sounds very viscous. That's to make it more viscous. A little bit. Just a little, just just like less than a, a teaspoon. Corn syrup is viscous as it is, man. I know. I'm, t- I'm, telling, you, I'm telling you the formula. So you get a, a teaspoon okay. of peanut butter. Mm-hmm. This is actually what a, a teacher told me because they used to be uh, like a... The, the the effects supervisor what's the effects person called on on set effects guy i don't know uh, all right the effect well they were they're a woman so but they used to be the effects guy in uh, stage productions uh in their for their uh for their high school and um i think they literally just called effects can we get effects, effects over here yeah you effects know, supervisor guy. the effects person you got to have something that looks good on a business card mm-hmm. right but whatever they they did the the blood effects for you know when they did Romeo and Juliet and 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 Juliet stabs herself you know you gotta have yeah. you gotta have good fake blood yeah so their recipe called for for peanut butter personally I wouldn't use peanut butter I would actually use barbecue sauce so you want to water down okay yeah barbecue sauce because the thing about fake blood is that normal blood because when you when you cut yourself. The red blood cells are exposed to oxygen and they oxygenate because that's what red blood cells do. And so real blood is actually way too bright. So people in movies, you know, um, you know, uh, you can, um, they actually expect for fake blood to actually be a lot darker than, than actual blood is. So like real blood, the, the color of real blood is kind of unsettling. And the reason why you can get away with, with violence uh, and, you know, and, and crazy blood effects in movies is because they make it uh, a little bit darker. And it actually, um, in fact, in, in Japan for games, they have really strict violence uh, guidelines. So to get around that, they would, they would, they would actually make the blood 
pure black. Um, and that's how they were able to get around the, the, the sensors. But, but you actually want, want your blood to be slightly darker or even a lot darker than real blood in that it actually looks aesthetically. It, it looks better. It looks mm-hmm. more artistic instead of just like someone's getting hurt. So yeah, it's like t- it's tasteful blood, and it's literally tasteful because you make it all out of food products. So you want a little bit of barbecue sauce, you know. Ketchup is definitely in there. Some a lot of people like to use food coloring, red food coloring, and or red dye, you know. Um, but uh, what? So it's just corn syrup and barbecue sauce? No, no. Like the red coloring is is really important. Obviously, I, I don't want to use ketchup because one of the, the main ingredients of ketchup is vinegar and getting that smell out. If yeah. that gets on, you know, on stuff, getting ketchup out. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, so that's that's an interesting thing to think about, like the, the fake. I don't know. Like I said, you can be hard R without being violent. You know, that's all you true. need is two F-bombs. You need two F-bombs and you're, you're rated R. Well, there you go. Boom. Boom. But you can also you can also get an R rating like like speaking of a blood bending. Um, if you if you if you have play a bunch of bone cracking sounds and have someone screaming in agony, you can get rated R for that. Have a bunch you know do do the foley get get a bunch of heads of lettuce mash them together you know. Take some carrots. Mm-hmm. If it's you know even that, like some somebody at the the MPAA will be like, oh, this is way too violent. Um, so yeah, there's there's ways to do it. There's a it's it, it it can be done. I think the the biggest issue for me, I, I think, would be the the camera and lighting. Lighting conditions always. are always always difficult. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah, getting getting the proper lighting conditions for for a film project can be just uh, aggravating. But oh, there's tons of fake blood recipes. You just do like <laughs> you could just do like uh, cocoa powder, powdered sugar, red cocoa powder and, and powdered sugar. Yeah, like hold on. That's like a that's like one without corn syrup. If you don't want to use corn syrup, let's see where is it? Powdered sugar, red food coloring, cocoa powder, and water. Wow. Yep. That's a good, yeah, the red food coloring. The problem with, with red like food coloring. Sounds like it tastes coloring, good too. I know, right? <laughs> the the issue with red food coloring is uh, uh, to me that sounds like it might be too bright, but I don't know. Brown sugar maybe. Use brown sugar instead of regular sugar because if you use if, yeah. if you use red food coloring. And with anything that's brighter than, than the shade of the coloring, then your your blood turns pink, which is great for fake brains. Yeah. You, you know, but you have to mix the, the, the well, pink like, with... There's cocoa powder in there. That darkens it a bit. You just use, like, you know, dark chocolate cocoa powder or something like that. Do they do they show the results of what it looks like? No. Yeah. See, I want to see the end result. I'll tell you what fake blood should look like. Um. Let me see. Uh, fake oh, blood. Oh, yeah, here it is. You could also just buy fake blood. It looks pretty dark. Yeah. No, it does. Wow. Yeah, this video. Let me let me link you this video. Real fake blood films. And I actually, I know a guy. I met a guy through the Metal Gear community who, who does a lot of... Um, zombie effects uh-huh. or he he was he was known for doing zombie effects and um and then uh oh, superpowered zombies has that been done huh oh i guess marvel zombies is is a thing yeah but in the comics i'm thinking yeah. like what if there was a, what if you did a zombie movie where all the zombies not like marvel zombies because that's like a, a separate storyline but what if it's like a a person trying to survive against superpowered zombies. Oh, oh. I bet that could be done for cheap. Yeah. I think it could be done for cheap. The right zombie makeup effects. And then, and then it's like, 
I like, like this video that you sent. It shows you tons of different types, and you make them add different stuff like toothpaste and petroleum jelly to make them toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, to make them like you know yeah. thicker. Right. Yeah. Because it's it's about the sound effect of you know what it sounds like when it when it splats against the ground. Mm-hmm. But I think this. Wow. Yeah, this is a uh, this is really weird, man. Because <laughs> you're just like it looks too realistic. Freaking crazy. Wow, this per- and he, now he's he's like he's like demonstrating Ooh. it the way that um like a uh, uh, um you know those makeup ladies at department stores. Yeah, he's putting like toilet paper and cotton in there to make them like like blood boogers. That's nasty. Yeah, it's super nasty. Yeah, so this oh. this is our guy. He's only got real fake blood films. I'm going to reach out to this guy. I like his, uh, this guy's a genius. Wow. I mean, this is probably just shit that he, that he's learned from other people that he's just putting in one cohesive video. I get the sense. I'm not listening to the sound, but I get the Uh, sense like these are all his recipes that he like has experimented with. Oh, maybe. Oh, now he's putting shampoo. Oh my god! And what is that? Oh, that's gross. Creamer. I like violent, bloody films, though. Yeah. So I would absolutely want some intense gore effects in the movie. Okay. In the in the game movie. Okay. But uh, yeah, styling gel. Oh, dude, that's genius! Hair gel. Oh, that's smart. What does the hair gel make it look like? It it would be like chunkier. Oh yeah, it looks like you know it's got it 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 holds up. It you can use. Oh, that's genius. Mm-hmm. This guy. Oh, that. What what would you use that for? <laughs> Out of context. That's just <laughs> <laughs> right. <It's hilarious. laughs> Oh, what does that look like? Oh, that's so great. Dude, I'm getting sick. This is... All right. I'm going to keep watching, but this is intense. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Um, I think we should we should keep recording a little bit because there's some stuff that, that's going to get cut. And so, yeah. um, to... Uh, Got cotton balls? Okay. I can't focus. Oh my god. Oh, okay. I can't I gotta stop watching. I'll come back to that later. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. That guy's really good. <laughs> That's great. Um Okay. So how to start a project like this? Start off with a concept. And I think the super super horror movie yes. is and we got like a, a we got like a um, a beginning, maybe not synopsis, but plot uh, sort of where she sounds cheap, huh? It sounds it sounds like it could be done for cheap. Yeah, minimal. You know, it doesn't sound like the special effects would be super complicated. Did you just say she? Did you just assume that the the protagonist would be a woman? Because I like I that. I don't but know. I mean, that's just immediately what I went for. I know, right? Because it's just naturally, it seems like that's the way to go. Yeah, because that's how that's how horror movies are done. You know, the, the protagonist is always a, a a helpless teenage girl. We don't know any helpless teenage girls, though. No, how do you cast that role. No, I mean we can always ask my sister. She wouldn't be teenage, she's, but yeah, she's not a helpless teenage girl anymore. I don't know. Um, um, anyway, uh, but we want to talk about the plot where the main, where the protagonist is also the antagonist. Like she's, I think she that, or that's, he that definitely sounds the default to she I guess. cheapest. It sounds the, like the cheapest you can do. Cause that way, mm-hmm. you know, you have one character play two, two roles and you always want to try and do that when you, when you're making things on the cheap yeah. is have people play multiple roles worked for Eddie Murphy, right? Mm-hmm. He well, played, he played his whole family. Mostly. <laughs> There's some. And I'm, I'm pretty good at. Didn't work. Like what? Norbit. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Not important. Um, but I like the Nutty Professor. But yeah. um, I'm pretty good at um, 
you know, uh, talking to yourself. What do you call it? Yeah, talking to myself. Yeah, definitely. And also, what's that thing called? You know, where you like like duplicate somebody and make it. You know. Oh, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, there's whatever effect they do where you know you have somebody talking to themselves or or something mm-hmm. in a movie, and, and they're like they're side by side and they're like or like uh, the Winklevoss twins in uh, the Social Network. That was one dude. Hmm. Um, I think that was Army Hammer. Actually, that's a good movie. Um, but it's really easy to do that. You can do um, you can do super speed really cheap. Uh, time tra- you, yep. not time travel, but but slowing down time. I've been thinking about um, about uh, about how to do time travel on film for cheap for a long time. Ever since you brought up uh, Twine to me over five years ago, and then and I came up with that idea. Uh, about the um the 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 time travel dude overclock yes um and you know and that honestly wouldn't be a bad project for uh, i mean a bad story for for something like this you know translate that into a more um a, a scary a more scary story it could be done yeah that can be done it can be done but no i i invented i envision that story as more of like a a superhero epic so um but the next step from there so i mean w- once you have a concept and i and i like that i think that that's really good um somebody who realizes they're they're getting superpowers and then but it's like it's a scary experience as puberty tends to be cuz you know getting superpowers it's all just a metaphor for puberty obviously mm-hmm. so so once you have a concept, the next thing that you would need before the script is because here's something that I learned after trying to, to write scripts. You never just start writing a script. I mean, some people can do that and they just start writing and then until it's done and then they rewrite and, and edit and take stuff out. But but you're, you're wasting time at that point. What you want to do is. Is find your ending. You, once you once you know how the story ends, then yeah. you can create you can create a beat sheet, and your beat sheet is like is all the plot points that will go uh, you know in order, uh, uh, all the the events, all the major events that happen on the way to the end of the story. And I just recently, ironically, and accidentally, this completely unrelated. Actually, this was related to the uh, the Metal Gear project that I'm working on. Uh, I have actually created. A, a beat sheet designed specifically for video games. Oh. Um, and we could, we could definitely, um, we should talk about that. Um, cause, uh, cause that's, it's, it's, it's like, it's something that I made in, in the hopes of sharing it with people. So people that are having difficulty coming up with the story for their game. Uh, well, you know, I have this, this, not a, not a formula, but more like an infrastructure. So I, I, I developed this infrastructure and there's a ton out there, you know, save the cat is the, is, is a popular infrastructure right now that people use to outline, uh, their stories. Uh, and then, you know, the hero's journey has been around for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but that's the thing is, so what happened was there was a hero's journey written by Joseph Campbell and people used that for a long time. And then this dude in Hollywood, he worked for Disney. And so in the early 90s, he took the hero's journey and he simplified that into... So it's uh, the original the original monomyth, also known as the hero's journey. It starts off as, as 17 steps. And you could have any, any combination uh, of that in, in your story. And there's all these different steps like you know the the call to adventure and the refusal of the call you've heard that stuff before right yeah i'm assuming you have no yeah i have so so then this dude in hollywood he he simplified that into 12 steps and that actually became the 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 screenwriting bible for disney so all the big animated disney movies like like the lion king uh and uh you know hunchback and notre dame it was based on this guy's um uh like uh edit not edit but this guy's um his simplification of the hero's journey Mm -hmm. so then later this dude i think it might be a woman i forget 
Hold on. What's her name is Blake Snyder. Or is it a, is it a man? I don't Blake Snyder. Okay. It's a dude. But then so then later this guy Blake Snyder, another Hollywood screenwriter, he came up with his own method called the Save the Cat uh uh the Save the Cat beat sheet or the the Save the Cat method or something, whatever you want to call it. And it has 15 steps. But the problem with Save the Cat is that the... So there's there's 15 steps. Essentially, you want to follow these 15 steps to get to the end of your movie. And it starts with, you know, the opening image. And then, you know, you start... And then it transitions to, you know, the, the theme stated and the and then the, the break into Act 2. And that's another problem. Oh, we got to talk about act structure mm. uh, and how how broken it is. But mm-hmm. the problem with with Save the Cat is that the fifteen steps, the first act will have five steps, and then you know act act two will only have two steps, and then and then you have to jam a lot of the the remaining stuff into the the final act of the movie, um, and so it it makes it more sporadic. I guess, for lack of a better term, it, it's it's like it's hard to to really see the it's hard to, to get a sense of the pacing for how the movie is paced because you're like if the if the first act has five steps and then if the remaining acts don't have the same number of steps then you don't get a sense for for how long each act should be and then another problem that I discovered was that between the hero's journey. The Hollywood version of the hero's journey and the save the cat methodology, they each have unique steps in them in them that that you would want one to have elements from the other. Does yeah. that make sense? But they sort don't. Of. Like they're like one methodology is is missing certain steps that you, that really should be in there to make a to make a good story. So so what I tried to do was to take both the hero the hollywood version of the hero's journey and the save the cat methodology and put those together and come you know take the best of both worlds and then structure that to specifically cater to to video game storytelling which i'm really excited about and um uh and then and then not just that but also structure it in such a way so that each act of of your story will be um will be properly timed so that you don't run into into any huge pacing issues which is a big problem because if you're if your first act is over 50 minutes long people will get bored uh you mm-hmm. know your first act you want you want that to be a half hour or less before you transition into into the the the, the meat of the story. Yeah. So the first act, just think like in, in star Wars, it's, it's a uh, Luke on, on the farm, you know, he's trying to get some power converters and, you know, but he wants to get off the farm, but he's got to be on the farm. And so then act two starts when him and Obi-Wan travel to, to the cantina to meet Han Solo. And then, and then when he finally takes off in the millennium Falcon into space, that's like, that's where the meat of the story is. So imagine Luke being on the farm for for half the movie, and that's literally what happened. Have you seen the Deer Hunter? No. You shouldn't, because it's terrible. It won Best Picture the year it came out. I couldn't believe it. Some a coworker recommended it. Like, yeah, the Deer Hunter. It's a it's a great movie. The first half of the movie is Act One, which you it's it's just fuck? terrible. The first half, they spend half of the movie. It's a it's a two and a half hour movie, and literally half of it is this Russian wedding, and then and then the main characters go to Vietnam. It's a it's a Vietnam War movie, but the first half of the movie takes place in a wedding. Weird. It's really really bad, but you know it's in terms of pacing, it's terrible. So that's why you know you want your movie to be structured well and paced properly, so that you know, so people don't get bored. So you have to, you know, have to keep, you have to keep, uh, you have to keep the, your audience interested by mixing things up at, at, at the proper time. And so that's what I've been, been trying to do with a, um, with a video game centric plot point beat sheet. That's a, that's a weird thing to say. Plot point beat sheet. 
I actually wanted to talk to you about, you know, the, the logistics of filmmaking, because that, that's your specialty, as I understand it. Um, I mean, I do have a bachelor's in it, but that was four years ago. That's not that long ago. <laughs> it's really not. It's not. But yeah, just as like as a, a curiosity exercise of like, okay, what would it take? What resources would would be needed to uh, to really make a uh, a project like this? So, so join us next time, or don't. Yeah, or don't. Whatever. You do you. 